You are listening to the Wellness and Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Sun Luberoy. Episode 41. Why are wellness leaders hospitality's lowest paid specialist leader? Welcome to the Wellness and Hospitality Podcast, where it's all about genuine wellness, true hospitality, and real people. I'm your host, global wellness expert, life coach, and author, Sonal Luberoy. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Why are wellness leaders hospitality's lowest paid specialist leader? Have we wondered why our wellness leaders are paid less than other specialist leaders, for example, directors of finance, sales and marketing, people and culture, food and beverage, and rooms. We could continue to play the age-old violin that wellness isn't taken seriously in hotels, that traditionally hoteliers treat wellness as an amenity department, a compensation tool for angry guests, or this unknown area that they must subcontract to a third-party operator. However, if we go beyond what our eyes see and dig below the surface, we'll notice that most hoteliers do not report more than 1-3% to of total hotel revenue from their spas, one of the fewer direct revenue-generating wellness offerings. So, if wellness only makes a meagre 1-3% to of total hotel revenue, then why does it surprise us that our wellness leaders are the lowest paid specialist leader in hotels? Why, if we have such a low impact in terms of direct numbers, do we think our leaders should be paid a similar wage to other specialist leaders whose businesses generate substantially more indirect revenue than wellness does? Now, don't get me wrong. I want to clarify that I am not advocating or justifying low wages for our leaders. And I'm also acutely aware that wellness generates indirect revenue through higher average daily rates, higher spend, higher occupancy, and length of stay. What I'm just trying to highlight is that it should not come as a surprise to us that our wellness leaders tend to be the lowest paid specialist leader in hotels. There is a reason. In today's episode, I'd like to shake things up slightly. I'd like to challenge our wellness leaders to go beyond that good enough line where they're making millions of dollars in revenue, exceeding budgets, and have a GM who is their raving fan. Because in many of these so-called successful wellness operations, if we dug below the surface, these wellness operations also don't make more than 1-3% to of total hotel revenue. What I'd like to offer is how can we challenge ourselves when we reach that highest point and ask ourselves, how can I make wellness generate 10 times more? What if wellness could generate 10 times more? What would I need to do differently? And what different things would I need to do? This is what I address in this week's LinkedIn Live session. So without further ado, here's the clip. Welcome to today's session. I hope you're all doing wonderfully well from whichever part of the world you are watching. 
Today is a controversial one. Today, I'd like to talk about something that might ruffle a few feathers. So what is it? Today, I'd like to talk about why wellness leaders are hospitality's lowest paid specialist leader. Now, what do I mean by a specialist leader? Just to clarify, it means your executive chef, your director of food and beverage, your rooms division director, your director of finance, your director of people and culture. Those are for me what I call the specialist leaders. And I also remove those wellness leaders that report to another director, for example, the director of housekeeping or the rooms divisions director. I'm talking about wellness leaders that are all part of the executive committee and how they tend to be one of the lowest paid specialist leaders within this executive committee. And I'd also like to make reference to a recent article I read fantastic article written by Jeremy McCarthy in um, Spa Executive. I found it very interesting. And he highlights how some spa profit and losses simply can't sustain the salary of a highly qualified wellness lead. And what ends up happening in these operations is that you end up having a lower qualified wellness leader to actually manage those operations because the profit and loss, the spa profit and loss simply cannot sustain more. And today I want to just, you know, just let's look at the situation. Let's just put our cards on the table. If the majority of mainstream hotels, and I'm also talking about these big hotel chains, many of them very ultra luxury hotels that also have spa and wellness operations that are making millions of dollars a year with reporting very healthy GOPs. But if we actually look at the figures and we scratch below the surface, even the properties that are generating millions of euros or dollars from their wellness operations, most of these hoteliers report a meagre 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue from their spas, which tends to be one of the fewer direct revenue generating wellness offerings in a hotel. Now. If that is the case, if wellness only makes 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue, we're talking about direct revenue, then honestly, why does it come to us as a surprise that our wellness leaders are the lowest paid specialist leaders in hotels? Now, don't get me wrong. I am not justifying that our wellness leaders should be paid lower salaries. And I'm also acutely aware that we can't measure the success of wellness in such a simplistic way that is direct revenue from a certain department. I know we need to take into consideration all the indirect benefits. That said, if you look at it in a very simplistic way, if you just look at what wellness is directly generating, then we look that it's 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue. And how can we then expect that our wellness leaders be at the same level as other specialist leaders? And what I have learned over these last few years, through the pandemic, through these last few years, through researching in my book, 
for my book and also having the pleasure to reach over well over 200, 300 hoteliers, all incredibly astute and have been incredibly generous sharing the information with me, sharing the perspectives, sharing the insights because they all believe in wellness. Now, the rule, the first rule is seek to understand, then seek to be understood. If you have owners and investors and you have to report certain objectives, certain targets, certain benefits. Now, clearly, what we cannot have is that the area that generates 1% to 3% have a leader that is paid pretty much on par with other specialist leaders of a business. Now, if we just totally just didn't look at hospitality and wellness, but we looked at any other industry, any other organization, and there was a business unit generating 1% to 3% of the total revenue. Now, clearly, the CEO or the investors or other key stakeholders would not say, please make sure that you're paying everyone the same money. It just wouldn't make business sense. Now, if we as wellness leaders want higher wages. If we as wellness leaders, let me rephrase it, are to get the wages that we deserve, we're going to have to change something. Because if we want something to change, we're going to have to change something. If we want our wages to change, then we're going to have to change the impact we report, the impact we can demonstrate to all key stakeholders. Because honestly, nothing changes if nothing changes. As Albert Einstein says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. It just simply won't happen. Now, our wellness leaders should be asking ourselves, like I include myself in there and I do that on a daily basis, trying to say, how can I move that revenue needle? How can we go from one to three or 5% or 9% to 10 to 20 to 15 to third to 10, 20 above 50%? How can we do that? Because what I find many times, what won't cut it, is continuing to do wellness the way we've always done it, thinking that we sell treatments, products, and services, and just continue to do the same and then play our wellness violin saying, you know, wellness is important, the whole world wants it, so that's why you have to give me more wages. No, it doesn't simply work like that. We are going to have to demonstrate that value. We're living truly unique times. The market is so ripe for wellness and they're demanding it and they're waiting for us wellness leaders to show them all that entire wellness toolbox that our guests can have when they enter our door. They're just waiting for us. Now the question is, are we wellness leaders equipped to manage 20, 30 million dollar businesses by ourselves? Are we equipped? Have we upskilled our finance skills? Have we upskilled our sales and marketing strategies? 
Are we able to manage a team that can generate that level of business? Now, if we're truly honest to ourselves, I think many people would look inside and say, you know what, I can improve a lot. And what I find when I go, you know, when I'm working with many hotels and I reach many wellness leaders, now we're talking about wellness leaders who are seasoned, who have been in the industry for a while. They know the wellness business in and out, and they're also managing wellness businesses that, as I said, are generating millions, very healthy budgets, and but they're pretty much in line with what is expected of them. They're not asking themselves the questions, how can I make this 10 times more? If I already have a captive audience at the door, what can I do to take this tenfold higher? Because the moment we stretch ourselves, the moment we stretch our thinkings, and the moment we realize that we don't only sell treatments, products, and services, but instead we solve people's well-being-related problems, we're playing a very different ballgame. And in that ballgame, wellness no longer makes 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue. It makes the 20 30 40 50 percent of total hotel revenue. Now, we clearly won't get there in one year or two years or three years. This is a long-term strategy. But if we want to see change, we're going to have to change things. We can't continue to do wellness and manage our businesses the way we have done. What got us here, that 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue, will not get us to the 20 30 40 50% of total hotel revenue. We simply have to completely redesign how we manage our businesses and how we skill, how we upskill our wellness leaders. In the next few days, in the next few weeks, in this coming week, I will be running a few live free masterclasses where I'll be talking about what our wellness leaders can do to equip themselves to create wellness businesses that don't only generate 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue, but go well beyond that. So after the session, what I'll be doing is dropping a quick registration link in the comment section below. And I look forward to welcoming you to one of those free masterclasses. Wishing you a wonderful day ahead. Take care now. So to recap this session, If we want to be equally paid specialist leaders as our executive chefs and other directors, then we're going to have to increase the impact wellness has on the hotel's overall profit and loss, as well as asset ecosystem. Because clearly, what got us here, the department that generates 1% to 3% of total hotel revenue, won't get us there, the business unit that generates 20 to 30% of total hotel revenue. We're going to have to do things differently and do different things. And on that thought-provoking note, I wish you all a fantastic day ahead. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. If you want to know whether your hotel is ready to meet the growing demand for wellness experiences, both for your guests and your employees, then my Essence Scorecard is the perfect tool for you. Head over to spa-balance.com 
forward slash essence scorecard and get yourself a free and accurate temperature reading of your hotel's readiness to meet the wellness needs of your people and your guests. It's a valuable self-audit that not only helps you create a profitable wellness asset, but also promote a culture of genuine wellness for your team.